0: It's time for This Week in WordPress, episode number 245, entitled AI is not that bad after all. It was recorded on March the 20th, 2023. My name's Nathan Wrigley, and I'll be joined by three guests today. Firstly, we have Michelle Frechette joining us again as one of our regular co-hosts. We've also got Kristen Wright and Rob Howard. It's a WordPress podcast. We talk a lot about WordPress. Specifically, we talk about WP Campus and what it's doing with their new board of directors. We talk about the 6.2 release of WordPress, which is coming down the pike very, very soon. What's in there, you can find out in a couple of field guides. I did a demo with Mark Westgard from WS Form, and please go and win one of the two licenses. You can find that on the WPBuilds.com homepage. Equalize Digital has received money from Marika and Yoast and it hopes to be able to make their plugin more fully featured and available in your WordPress admin very soon. Atarim have got their web agency summit around the corner, and so we talk about that. Full site editing. Who's using it? If you're a theme developer, it looks like increasingly you are. What is WP, and how can it help us certify ourselves as WordPress experts? We also talk about the fact that Automatic has acquired ActivityPub, making WordPress a first-class citizen over on the Mastodon social network. And then we get into AI. How good is this new chat, GPT-4 or GPT-4 or whatever it's called? What can it do? Will it make coding a breeze in the future? And then to finish off, we talk about day one. From Automatic again, and the fact that it's got a web version available, and a plugin which has come out from Rob and his team called Every Alt. It's all coming up next, on This Week, in WordPress. This episode of the WP Bills Podcast is brought to you by GoDaddy Pro, the home of managed WordPress hosting that includes free domain, SSL, and 24-7 support. Bundle that with the Hub by GoDaddy Pro to unlock more free benefits to manage multiple sites in one place, invoice clients, and get 30% off new purchases. Find out more at go.me forward WPBuilds. Hello, hello, howdy, hello, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever other salutation there might be for a different time of the day. It's This Week in WordPress, episode number 245. Thank you for joining us. Before we begin, I think it's important to say, go and share. Go and share this thing. It's probably the best way to do that is to go to wpbuilds.com forward slash live, then do the old command C. Control C, paste it into your Twitter feed or Facebook feed or whatever it is that you might like to do. Uh, get get your mates, your colleagues, your parents, your cat. We'll talk about cats later. Uh, drag them in and, you know, swell the congregation and hopefully we'll have a nice episode today. It's really nice to, to have three guests with us today. Welcome, first of all, to our regular co-host, Michelle Frichette. How are you doing, Michelle?
1: I'm good, thank you. you. I'm
0: very, very good. It's just occurred to me that all of our little captions have gone. I'm going to quickly fix that. I'm going to go like that. And hopefully that's there cool. we are. all of our little captions appear. Uh, Rob, if you want to change your caption, you can do that by go. Oh, and also, uh, Kristen, if you want to add a little bit of where you're from and what have you, if you go to your picture on the left, you can click the three little dots and update it if you wish to do that. Um, how are you? Sorry, Michelle, say that again. I think you said you were good.
1: I am good. And I asked how you oh, are. Oh, thank
0: you. Yeah, I'm I'm doing well. Um, Michelle Frischette, here we go. We have a slightly updated bio. Michelle is the Director of Community Engagement for Stella WP at Liquid Web. And she has been called the busiest woman in WordPress by Matt Mullenweg at <laughs> WordCamp US 2022. I can vouch for it. I was there. It was true. Uh, in addition to her work at Stella WP, Michelle does a whole bunch of stuff. And you can see all of that at Meet Michelle. <laughs> Dot online you've cut that you've cut that bio right down haven't you
1: <laughs> i i really did
0: yes <laughs> yeah and actually we're going to be talking about something in a few minutes that i didn't know you were involved in which is yet another thing which we could have added to the bio anyway thank you so oh, thank you so much for joining
2: oh, yeah
0: and also we're joined yeah. by uh, kristen wright how are you doing kristen
2: hey i'm doing well thank you
0: Yeah, great to have you with us. Kristen has been working in the WordPress industry for over 12 years. Now she gets to share her passion for journaling by doing marketing for the Day One Journal app, which actually is owned by uh, Automatic, if you didn't know. She's the author of three books on journaling, including her most recent, The Transformation Year, a year of daily da- daily journaling prompts, and sh- which is now out in paperback and hardcover. I've always wanted to write a book. <laughs> I really, really do want to write a book one day, but I get about three pages in and think mm, nobody's <laughs> going to read this. But yeah, maybe you,
1: I, I, have that book actually, <sighs> the most recent one.
0: Very nice.
1: I, it's something. My- it's in my other office, though. Otherwise, I would hold it up and show yeah. you. Yeah, well,
0: maybe, it's, maybe it's Kristen at some point can run off and find a copy and hold it up, and yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> and finally, joined by Rob Howard. How are you doing, Rob? I'm very
3: good. How about you? Thanks for yeah, having
0: me. Yeah, really good. You're very welcome, Rob. If you don't know Rob, Rob is the publisher at Master WP, which is a leading WordPress and tech magazine. Honestly, go check it out. There's a lot of content there every single week. He's also the CEO of HDC, the digital agency that's leading the industry to a better future. His team also just launched every alt. We'll get to that. You can see what that is. Um, An AI-powered tool that instantly generates accurate alternative text for images on your WordPress site. Yeah, we'll have a bit of a dive into how that works and how all of that works, but it's an absolute pleasure to have all of you with us. We're going to be here for about 90 minutes. If you want to drop a comment in, please feel free to do that. If you go to wpbuilds.com forward slash live, you need to be logged into a Google account because we've pasted in the face uh, the YouTube comments there. That's all well and good. On the other hand, if you go to our Facebook group, then you'll need to go through one additional step, which is to go to chat.restream.io uh, forward slash FB, chat.restream.io forward slash FB. It just enables you to not be anonymous. You may want to be anonymous, uh, but you know, maybe not. So let's say hello to a few people who've joined us. Happy Monday, says Rob Cairns. Good morning. Hi there, Rob. How are you doing? We've got a nice wave from Courtney Robertson. Thank you. We've got the Kitchen Sink WordPress. I can never remember who this is. Who is
1: this? It's... Adam, oh, Adam Silver. Yeah,
0: thank you, Adam. I can always forget. Uh, it says, happy Monday from NC. It's, oh, it says, Alex. Ah, yeah, very good. Last week, I, well, was it the week before? I got his wrong, uh, name wrong 100% of the time. So I'm going to call him <laughs> Ryan uh, today, I think, or something like that. And here we go. Every week, Peter Ingersoll drops in a weather report. Uh, and today, greetings from Connecticut. It's 2 degrees centigrade, 36 degrees Fahrenheit and rising. I like rising in weather. Temperatures are warming this week, so spring is in the air. Yeah, we've got about 14 degrees centigrade here, which for this time of year where I live, uh, Peter, is pretty darn good. And look, we've got Ryan coming back with its 34 degrees here. Was <laughs> my morning run. If it's 34 degrees, if you use proper degrees, you're all basically dead yes. I don't understand Fahrenheit uh, Nomad Skateboarding says likes day one an awful lot that's good to hear we'll find out more about it later and uh, and then we've got Ryan who's claiming to be Adam I don't know what that's all about but, uh, <laughs> let's, get, let's get on with the WordPress stuff shall we that's what we're here for about, about 80 minutes of WordPress stuff so here we go Firstly, a couple of bits of promotion. This is our WordPress website, wpbuilds.com. If you fancy going there and subscribing to our list, you can just fill out this little form here. Uh, and we'll keep you up to date when we produce new bits of content, typically twice a week. You'll notice on the top here, we had a little plug-in demo with my good friend Mark Westgard. He's the developer behind WS Form. Honestly, like, honestly, if you've got a WordPress form plugin and you've been using it for years. Please go and have a look. I'm not saying you're going to change, but it is genuinely worth a look and If you fancy winning it, we've got this page here. You can link to that from the from the thing here. just click on that image there um and you can win it He's given away two licenses, and you just have to tell us why you want to win it. We've already had some fairly funny ones because I've said you can be you can say whatever you like. In less than 200 words, tell us why you want to win this license. This is the only criteria that will allow you to win it. could be funny, profound, philanthropic, whatever you like. And we've had some funny ones already. And, uh, yeah, so go to that page. And you can win it, you know. Why not? Give it a go. Right. WordPressy stuff. WP Campus have got a blog post out this week. It's called Introducing WP Campus Inaugural Board of Directors. Now, correct me because I don't really know a great deal about WP Campus, but WP Campus's board of directors consisted of one person, Rachel Cherry, until now and now they've got this great mm-hmm. big great and the good list of people who are on the board of directors mm-hmm. wp campus i think is a wordpress institution let's just call it that which is trying to figure out how wordpress can be used in the education space um and, and up, supporting yeah thank you um mm-hmm. and up until recently rachel was the singular uh, director and she decided to step down and so the news here is basically a load of people have decided this project is worth pursuing. So we've got um, David Dashiffen, we've got Reed Piernock, Kira Howe, Rachel Cherry is staying on for now. My understanding is that's not going to be a long term relationship. L. Danielle Baldwin, Ed Beck, Phil Crom, Eric Scott Sembrat, PhD. Um, and if you want to be involved in this project, your voice counts. You can attend the board meetings and there's lists on there. Honestly, this this is a really strong board. I don't know what your relationship, Michelle, it sounds like you know a bit more than I do. Um, you got any thoughts on this?
1: Uh, I'm excited for it because uh, when you have an organization with a director and not a board, you end up with burnout very quickly for your director Um, And should anything happen to that person, it's very likely that the entire organization will fall apart. So they were very, very thoughtful in how they did a call for nominees. This has been something that wasn't done overnight. They've spent plenty of time really developing um, their bylaws and how this is all going to work. And so I'm just real excited for them that they've put something together that's going to be able to be sustained in a long-term way. Rachel's done an amazing job, and I think she will still continue to be involved at some in some way, shape, or form, even when she's not part of the board of directors, but um, she's done an amazing job getting it to this point. And I think this is a next natural step in order for it to be sustainable over time. I know they took a hit a little bit. They, one of the things they do is they have a big um, event every year, WP Campus event. And of course, nothing's happened over the last few years because of um, COVID. But this year, they're actually coming back. They're having their event. I think it's in July in uh, New Orleans, in uh, Louisiana. Thank
3: you. Uh, mm-hmm. What about Rob or Kristen? Got anything on this? You know, I always love to see um, honest and transparent and straightforward governance in any organization. I think that they're doing a really nice job leading by example with this. Um, You know, in the WordPress space, there is often a weird and sometimes opaque mix of for-profit and nonprofit of organizations that actually have public decision-making and organizations that don't. So it seems like they really went out of their way to create a sustainable, public, transparent, um, system, you know, the things that this organization does can actually change and be decided by a majority of these new directors on the board. And I think that that is really uh, a great model, especially, especially for the nonprofit and open source, um, space, you know, really taking the time to establish the rules and then following them. And also like, you know, the initial. You know, creator giving up some of that power to the group is uh, really cool. Uh, You know, uh, a step in the right direction, I think.
0: I I didn't really dwell on the actual bios. I just mentioned the names, but honestly, I would encourage you to go and look and read the bios of each of the different people because it is a it is a it's a pretty cool team they've got together. We've got a developer who works at Georgetown University. We've got a a few front end developers. Uh, several of whom have got you know multiple decades of experience. Um, somebody that's been working in um, development and design for 20 years, somebody who's been working in the educational technology mm-hmm. field for w- just about a decade. We've got the marketing and growth president from Tenop. op uh, somebody that works for the College of Engineering at Georgia Institute of Technology. It's just, it's just round, isn't it? There's just so much interest there it's not just going to be one voice so yeah go, go and have a look at
2: the page you may,
1: you may recall also that um, wp campus was a huge impetus a few years back around um, accessibility mm. for the dashboard side of things the back end of wordpress um raising over twenty thousand dollars to do a, a proper <gasps> evaluation that was
0: them wasn't it i remember that was them. yeah yes. mm-hmm. so yeah very yeah good. so
1: they've done they've done a lot of a lot of good in wordpress not just for higher education
2: but for wordpress and, uh, at, at large
0: uh kristen anything on this before we move on
2: yeah, I'll admit this was an organization I hadn't actually heard of until this news item came up. And so it was really cool to see um, this organization organization exist. Kind of in some of my past WordPress experience, it was always really interesting to see you know, colleges, like well-known colleges using WordPress and some of the email addresses that would come through for premium purchases. So just really cool that they're being supported with this organization.
0: I guess there's some piece whereby... Uh, colleges and institutions like that. I I don't really know how the financing works over your side of the pond, but I I think that universities and places like that in the UK are much more strapped for cash, shall we say, Mm -hmm. than they might be over your side because we have real strict limits on the amount of fees that they can charge. And whilst the fees... You know that they're, they're not nothing they probably don't add up to a great deal of profit for the university and so having somewhere to turn somewhere where you can deploy somebody on your staff and that person might not have a great deal of experience with WordPress, but they can go and look at all of the different bits and pieces go and ha- get support from that community, yeah it seems like a really a really amazing endeavor. I shall move on if that's uh, if that's what everybody has to say about that and say crikey. This has been a long time coming. WordPress 6.2 is very, 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 very close to being released, You're like a matter of days. Um, and the the final release candidate, one would imagine, release candidate 2 is out. If you've never tested uh, a release candidate version of WordPress, it's really easy to do. I mean, you know, you can be more complicated, but... Honestly, if you just go and if you just go to download download something like Local and get it running and on your Mac or your PC or whatever it may be, and then go and install the WordPress Beta Tester plugin, that's all you need. And then you click a couple of blo- uh, boxes: bleeding edge and BCRC only. It'll get you there within about ten seconds, and then you can go and check it all out. And there's a whole load of different bits and pieces. In fact, here we go: Milana Cap has a field guide. I'm just going to scroll it reasonably quickly, right? This is the WordPress 6.2 field guide from Milana. Right? I'm not going to get into it, but there's, there is actually a ton. Each of these little boxes is a link uh, where you can go onto to a make, dot wordpress um article and read about it but there is so much amazing stuff happening in 6.2 i don't know if you three i'm imagining rob being the um you know in charge of a a team might be following this more closely than any of the rest of us but rob i'm just going to pass it over to you is there anything in 6.2 from your team's point of view which you're you're keen to have in core get you know make use
3: of get using Yes, it's a big release. Yeah, <clears throat> We've done like articles, pot, we have a podcast coming out in a week or two talking about it. So um, there's actually a lot to dig into. Um, my understanding is maybe I'm wrong about the exact moment that this is happening, but basically, you know, we're at a place now where site editing phase two of the Gutenberg project is sort of going out into the wild. We're not calling it beta anymore. It's becoming like kind of its own um, real live Thing even more so than it was in the past, so we're excited about that. Our team has been um, getting more into the block editor and site editing. We are using it for some of our smaller sites, some of our um, like personal sites, specifically around like a complete uh, block theme, as opposed to a classic or hybrid theme, right? So, um, seeing that progress is really cool. Um, as an old fashioned coder, I also like that I'm going to be able to customize with CSS a little bit more on the fly. We were talking about how we love all the build tools and all the like really intense stuff. But I also like being able to hot fix things in 30 seconds. And, um, you know, as much as it's unfashionable to like use customizer for that, um, it kind of went away for a little bit and now it's coming back in a slightly like more integrated way with all the other, uh, like block editor and site editing stuff. So, um, that's kind of my, uh, 2000, the thing that I like that I, uh, that harkens back to like 2010 as opposed to 2023, but always a good thing. And I think, um, yeah, there's a ton going on. It's going to be a big release. Um, you know, it doesn't seem like one of those releases that's going to be really like shocking or break a lot of stuff for existing clients, which I really like, but it's bringing in a lot of new, um, improvements and really just kind of like taking the next big step forward on the roadmap.
0: Yeah, we had a comment just drop in uh, from Max. Thank you for joining us, Max. He says, hasn't the navigation been removed again? So the block is still there. Oh, in fact, Nomad Skateboarding is taking it on. Um, It has been removed from the site editor side panel. So there was this side panel which had templates and template parts and navigation in it and it's been removed from there which is i I don't quite know
3: what the story was do any of you three maybe know? yeah there is a video on wordpress.org about it we can try to dig it up but um you know i think what this speaks to is that um you know there's this goal of completing site editing and like that is probably a little bit overly ambitious in some ways like i appreciate that we're shipping it and uh putting it out to the world Um, but particularly around some of the navigation, um, you know, components, there is just a lot of messiness over the last like six to 12 months. And I think what I read in the, uh, in the notes was basically like, we know we've gone back and forth in this a couple of times. Like we may go back and forth again, but like, we think that we're in the right place right now based on user feedback. So, um, it's kind of that, you know, constant evolution of the software um, and, you know, in theory, that's a good thing, but in practice, it can be a little bit confusing, uh, for people who are getting used to one way, you know, in 6.0 or 6.1, and then it changes back and forth a couple of times. But, um, there was a, there was a lot of confusion around some of those navigation blocks and and components over the last like six to 12 months. So I think they're doing their best to clear that up and just, you know, make some decisions around what it really should be because... Um, you know, in some ways they're inventing a new interface or series of interfaces and there's no real right answer to some of these questions. So, um, I think the team's doing their best to kind of get it working and, um, also like puts, puts somewhat of a punctuation mark on it and say like, this is what, this is the thing we built. We're now shipping it. We're going to move some of our priorities over to like, um, collaborative editing and these other big ideas. And then the future for the site editing tool is going to be more slow iterative improvements as opposed to like lots of big releases, at least
0: that's yeah, what I'm talking, of, it, of the plan. It especially feels to me like the navigation piece is still not quite as well, put it this way, a, a whole bunch of commercially available themes delivered a lot, a lot of more interesting stuff. Should we say in terms of navigation, what shipping with WordPress 6.2 works, but you are fairly limited, but the bolts, the architecture underlying that is now available for everybody to build their cool plugin on top of to make that whole navigation piece a little bit more interesting and easy to use, so the piece that we had on the screen uh, is like I said Mil- Milana Caps piece, and it, it's very technical and it Michelle kindly has dropped in a link from um, from rob's site master wp it's it's Nyasha Green, who's written kind of like a you described it as a field guide to the field guide <laughs> didn't you, Michelle?
1: I did. Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So if you can't get your, if you can't wade your way through this, which is, is, I guess there's a lot of technicalities there Mm -hmm. and, you know, you've got functions being described and all that kind of stuff. You've got a, what I'm guessing, I haven't read this one, but I'm guessing is a fairly more, a fairly, a fairly simplified
3: version of that in easy to use language. That's great. Yeah. One other thing I'll add is that, uh, you know, we run an agency, so we're building a lot of WordPress sites. We, um, have a a framework that we own that's bootstrap and underscores based, but we're um, really just sort of psychologically starting to switch over to embracing more of the block mentality and the Gutenberg mentality. Um, You know, it's been several years. We've been very cautious about it, Um, but we are sort of, um, you know, essentially taking the team's word for like, okay, this is the real release. Like we're going forward with this. It's not going to, you know, Change or shift gears dramatically Mm -hmm. for the next few years. So, um, you know, we're now starting to incorporate that more and more on the client side. Whereas if you had asked me a year or two ago, I would have been like, I'm not touching that, you know, for a while because it's so volatile, right? So, from an agency standpoint, I think we're at a place now where, um, not to say that there won't be changes, but I think the extreme volatility in the software is sort of a thing in the past and, um, it makes sense for a WordPress developer to start to embrace, uh, some of the new, uh, you know, theme.json and, and block features that have been sort of floating around for a couple of years. But, um, at least I personally have been, have been quite cautious about, uh, going too far in on something that wasn't like fully yeah. baked, yeah. um, especially because we had, you know, reasonable alternatives, but, um, it's gotten a lot better in the last year. Uh, not to say it won't improve or, or need improvements in the future, uh, but we're, you know, we're at a place now where we're comfortable, uh, like starting to train our staff on this, as opposed to some of the uh, like other methods that are out there. Mm. Got to say, uh,
0: Rob, I do love these graphics, these little. Oh, Thanks. Yeah, they're just—they always—they always look like those, you've had somebody sit down with an easel and some watercolors. They're just—they're just really nice. I, I'm just going to quickly go to the home because look, there's just one yeah, after the, another.
3: Look, look at them. The they're aesthetic great. was one of our favorite things about the brand. Mm-hmm. So we actually uh, bought the brand from uh, the two founders uh, about a year ago, a little over a year ago. Um, and one of our favorite things was like it just doesn't look like every other. Newsletter, it doesn't look like every other, you know, theme or substack or whatever. So we've really tried to, like, carry that forward. Yeah, they're With nice. The, I mean, if you if you yeah, go to any really archive, thing. you'll see there's just, like, mm-hmm. dozens and
0: dozens of them. Do you have these commissioned on a blog, on a on a per-post
3: basis? or? We used to use a service, ah. and the previous owners used, like, a design service. So uh, at, at this point, we've got it sort of streamlined enough that, like, it's basically a background plus a watercolor. Right. So we're, we're just doing them, you know, on a case by case basis, These are the writers or the editors. Um, but yeah, there was a time when they were using like one of those, um, sort of design everything for me for an unlimited price services. And they were saying, okay, we need a watercolor of like the WordPress logo with clouds. We need a watercolor of a chart going up, stuff like that. But, um, uh, I, I will share another secret is that we also reuse them because okay, a lot yeah. of articles uh, <laughs> can have the same WordPress and cloud logo. Yeah. Uh, so it looks beautiful as long as you don't reuse the same one on every Yeah, other six, uh, leave it same for same six months. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. Yeah. So a lot of them are generic <laughs> enough that we, uh, you know, don't have to design a new yeah, thing. Yeah, they look every really nice though. Piece. They look
0: really, really nice.
3: Anyway, so on this piece, just quickly, um,
0: you can go to Milana's WordPress 6.2 field guide. That seems to be the more technical write-up. Um, and if you want the much more straightforward, easy-to-read version, go to the Master WP. Um, Michelle and Kristen, I realized we, we we didn't give you a chance to comment on that. I don't know if you've got anything about 6.2 that you want to speak to particularly. If not, we'll move yeah, on.
2: Yeah. One thing I think is really cool is the style book. Um, so I know of this. And it's mm. really cool, especially you know if you're trying to develop a style guide or something like that for clients. Yeah. Um, Really excited to kind of dig into this a little bit more, but I saw a demo of it and thought like, wow, that is really cool. So, and there's some global styles and copying and pasting of styles I thought, you know, is really useful and helpful, but style book, just being able to see like how all blocks output across the theme and then also being able to make global style changes, I think is gonna be really useful. Um, Maybe, I don't know as much for end users, but probably people who are building sites and kind of managing things, so.
0: Yeah i'm trying to find a I'm trying to find a decent image of the style book, but i can't I can't find one. I've stopped using Google and I've used this rival <laughs> search engine, and this is a moment where you think, Oh, Google will find that straight away um but I can't manage to find it, but it is really cool. it's this completely different interface where it just lays out components from your website and as you fiddle with the styles, it just it just updates them all and it's a really nice way of seeing all of, so h1 h2 h3 mm-hmm. what images will look like and so on and you just click a button and the whole site it just demonstrates what all of those components right. would look like and it's a really neat idea um right. and the implementation of it is really good uh, if if any of you three can find an image of it i'll uh <laughs> i'll shove it up there, but my, my my new search engine has come up blank michelle anything yeah. to throw in
1: no, nope, I think you've covered it.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, yep, go to the, either of those two articles. This is nice. This is a lovely piece. And I feel that this is oh, this is the kind of stuff that warms the cockles of your heart. Equalize Digital raises pre-seed funding for expanding accessibility checker plugin development. So, Equalize Digital um, is run by uh, Amber Hines and I want to say her husband... Is that right? Fig- yeah. Yep, thank Chris. you. Thank you. Um, yeah, and so they're all about accessibility, and they have an accessibility checker plugin, and over the last period of time, they've been trying to develop it, and from this piece that I'm showing on the screen on the WP Tavern website, it sounds like that's been a, an interesting journey, but it's, it's meant that they've been able to do a little bit of work on that and then get on with their... Um, profitable stuff which allows them to pay for it and then go back and then you know yeah, there's a sort of flip-flopping between them well talk about nice Um, an investment has been secured by them of an undisclosed amount but it's from uh, Joost De Volk um, of Joost fame and Marika van der Acht of Joost fame they have decided to invest in this to accelerate the production of it it sounds like they're going to bring on some uh, I don't know if it's full time staff, but it certainly sounds like they're just going to concentrate on features um, to make everybody's accessibility experience a little bit easier. Some of the some of the things they're hoping to drop in the near future is a visual UI where you can click on elements on your website. So it'll be a plugin; you'll install it, get it going, look at the website, and then click on components of the website, and then get useful information as to where your accessibility. Uh, standards are not being met or presumably patted on the back if you do well and I just think this is this is really lovely what a really nice story to report I mean you know accessibility seems to be a hot button topic in the last couple of years but I imagine funding for this kind of stuff is pretty hard to find so in in step some very nice philanthropic individuals Yost and Marika so bravo I'm going to hand this one over to you three
1: you know, Equalize has also been hi- hiring lately too, so they've hired at least one position, and I think they have another one um, open right now. So this is probably helping to um, get this up, you know, up and running, and keep working working on it and I'm pretty excited about it. So many things that are labeled accessibility are things that are truly not accessible, like accessibility overlays and things like that. And so Amber is definitely um, a huge proponent of true accessibility and runs a meetup about accessibility, all those kinds of things, and does a lot of really good work. So this is really exciting to see that that the things that she's working on and that they're working on as a company are able to move forward for the community. Yeah,
0: I mean, obviously if accessibility is your real given thing and you've poured a whole boatload of time into it, then you'll understand it inside out and perhaps won't need something like this. But WordPress powering 43% of the web, you've got to imagine quite a lot of those 43% of websites are built by people who they don't really do this for a living. There's quite a lot of just just blogs, people getting their brochure website up and having a little bit of a helping hand, especially in in you know in terms of compliance and legal responsibilities, which are getting more and more talked about. This kind of stuff is amazing. They they mentioned that they want to, at some point, make this their full-time thing. And in order for that to happen, they need the feature set to be good so that it can be self-sustainable. And then presumably there'll be some revenue model for them on the other side. So anyway, uh, Kristen or Rob, if you've got anything, go for it. Yeah, we no, use this
3: plugin. Uh, sorry, Kristen, go ahead.
2: No, that's fine, that's fine. I was just going to point out there's a line from the article that I really appreciated just talking about making accessibility just as important as SEO. And I think a lot of people would not put them on the same level as far as, like, importance when it comes to building or maintaining a website. So I thought that yeah. was really neat.
3: Yeah, thank you. Neat. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think the the difference is that people see SEO as an uh, income generator and they see accessibility as an expense, right? Um, mm-hmm. So switching okay. gears uh, in a way that I think makes um, web accessibility equivalent to physical accessibility at like stores and stuff like that, I think is really where, you know, I would like to see the psychology and the thinking of business owners go in the future in the same sense that you're like, well, okay, if I'm going to have a store, that store needs to be wheelchair accessible. Maybe I need to put in a ramp or an elevator. Like these things are like no brainers to us. But if you look back at like the seventies and eighties, when those first Americans with disabilities act laws were coming into effect in the United States, like that was not a given at that time. And there was that kind of like, cranky complaining of like oh now i have to pay for this new thing that i have to add to my building you know um so i think we're seeing a similar thing happening with the web and hopefully in you know five or ten years it'll just be a no-brainer that like somebody who's visually impaired or can't use a mouse needs to be able to interact with my online store or needs to make a reservation at my restaurant stuff like that um right now i don't think that the median business owner is thinking about that. We do have a lot of people uh, among our client base who are uh, getting more aware of it and willing to invest in it. And you know, frankly, I'm telling them like, listen, like we have clients coming to us with lawsuits in hand because they're not doing this in time. So you guys should really get ahead of this. Like, it's not like a joke or an option anymore. Like the Department of Justice really is enforcing it. I think there were like. Um, 4,000 ADA-related website lawsuits in 2022, um, and typically what's happening is people are settling them out of court, and they are paying a settlement of like five or ten thousand dollars, sort of as a penalty to the plaintiff uh, who's a, a disabled person who tried to access their website but couldn't in some way. Um, but then they're also in those settlements committing to fix the problem anyway. So if you're going to go pay the settlement and then pay the developers anyway, like you might as well get ahead of it, <laughs> yeah. um, not pay your lawyers extra, not pay the settlement, you know, and also serve your customers better. So, um, you know, there th- th- it's definitely been a little bit of a <clears throat> volatile like process in the last few years, but in 2022, the department of justice actually came out and said like, yeah, this is a thing that we're going to enforce. Like we know the law was written in the eighties, but we believe that it applies to websites if you're a public business. So if you're just like, you know, if you just have an office and you don't have a store that's open to the public, you're not quite as um, subject to the law. But if you have a physical space or you sell some sort of physical product, like you 100% are. So um, we've used accessibility checker plugin on our own sites. We have it on master WP. Um, It's great, Uh, you know, it uh, really, complements a lot of the other tools that are out there, but it's also in your dashboard, which is unique. Like a lot of the other tools are are like Chrome extensions or like external checkers. Um, So I would definitely recommend that people pop that free version on there. I think um, there's already a premium version. um, So I think that's one of the like revenue um, goals for the future. Um, And honestly, um, you know, there's a very passionate community around accessibility right now, but the challenge is getting that mainstreamed. Right. And I think that that um, is a tricky process because you don't want to mainstream it by just telling everybody they're going to get sued. That's kind of a very like uh, uncomfortable (laughs) way to do it for a lot of people. Um, I'm a little bit more aggressive with that with my clients because I'm like, listen, like I'm I know this sounds like I'm telling you you have to build more stuff, but like I'm actually advocating for you guys to not get in trouble in the next five years because otherwise it's going to happen. Right. Um, So Um, the challenge is really like mainstream acceptance, but also, um, just the fact that you do have to make trade-offs, you know, like one of the things that we see is that, um, sites that were built 15 years ago are more accessible than sites that were built four years ago. Yeah, And the reason for that is that, you know, the basics are pretty accessible. Um, but any sort of, uh, like what I would describe as like new fancy design, like you start to lose some of that ability to use a screen reader pretty quickly, right? Um, So we actually are redoing one of our restaurant clients and I built their site for them in 2010 or something like that. And we went back and looked at it and we're like, you know what, like actually like you guys are not really having, like you don't have huge ADA issues on this site because it's basically like tables, you know, and, and basic fonts and stuff like that. So... That was cool, but uh, we're still rebuilding it for them to modernize it. But as we modernize it, we have to really be careful that we're also remaining ADA compliant. And, uh, you know, there's there's several other, uh, like, acronyms and, uh, like, sort of uh, sets of guidelines that you have to follow to get to that point. But um, especially with restaurants, with hotels, anybody with a storefront, um, like, it's, it's past the point where you can write it off or, right. or mess around at this yeah. point.
0: It's interesting because we, we, there was a comparison there between SEO as a as a thing. Um, everybody sees the benefit to that because it directly, materially affects your bottom line. But the, the thing about the SEO is you are basically optimizing for Google. I mean, I know you could optimize for the other yes. ones as well, but not really. You're going to go at Google. So there's one point of truth. There's one source. You, you figure it for Google. It's curious because you kept mentioning the ADA. Of course, the ADA means nothing to me um, yeah. because the, the jurisdictions throughout the world are going to be different. So this, this is going to be a real issue, isn't it? Is that which set of standards are the standards? Do people who adopt certain standards in, let's say, I don't know, France or Australia, what do they have to prioritize first? Where are the ambulance chasing lawyers going over there as opposed to in the US? What's the low hanging fruit that they can fix which satisfies a bunch of requirements? And uh, whilst there's guidance, and I imagine the ADA by default of just being the ADA will probably end up being the default. It is it is a curious
3: thing that, you know, in the yeah. UK, the law is definitely going to be different. So, yeah. so there is uh, there is one. <clears throat> they're not really an official authority, but everybody has sort of adopted their guidelines, and that's called WCAG, which is Web Content Accessibility Guidelines. So that's actually what is included by reference in, like, Americans with. disability. Act. And we also have something called Section 508, which applies to the federal government here in the States. So basically, if you look at WCAG 2.1 AA, like that's the thing that people are using. So I think that actually does apply internationally. Mm -hmm. However, uh, the other thing that remains to be seen is like exactly how a judge would interpret some of these guidelines, right? Like, so they're not always like exactly cut and dried in the sense that like, oh, well, like some things are clearly wrong, right? And some sites are clearly unusable, Um, but it'll be interesting to see if we ever get to a point where gray area is addressed in an actual court, because that could then sort of move the needle a little bit or, or tweak, uh, move the goalposts, tweak the guidelines, whatever metaphor you want to use. But, you know, right now most of these are settling because basically people are saying like, yeah, like we know this, like this is new, like this, our site's not up to date. We acknowledge that and we're going to, you know, fix it and, and move on without, you know, taking it to court. But I think there is a potential for kind of like what happened with GDPR and Google fonts, like, you know, a judge basically made up a new rule, right? Uh, in yeah, saying yeah. That You can't use Google fonts, you know, um, and uh, I've kind of, you know, uh, lampooned that a little bit uh, in our uh, articles, because I think it's a little bit over the top. But at the same time, um, there is that possibility that you might say, okay, well, you know, I thought this type of menu structure was okay, but now there was a ruling about it and I have to go back and change that. So, um, just being on top of it is, um, a, uh, you know, a thing that I think all web developers and designers are going to have to make part of their job, at least for the next few years, as it kind of gets more, um, uh, uh, as they nail down the the details a little bit. more. Look, the bundle theme in WordPress six point two Google ah, Google go. fonts included <laughs> in the bundle theme. So because they, it's cool. illegal to reference other websites on your website now, I'm just like, this is just. I've written a couple of articles <laughs> yeah. about this, but GDPR certainly. I feel like is the whole <laughs> point, like no CD, CDNs are illegal. Yeah. anymore Oh
0: boy. So. Oh boy. We'll see. Yeah. Um. So we'll see how that a bit of up. context, Justin. Justin Tadlock my life is complete he's made a comment on this show uh for extra info the americans with disabilities act was signed into law in 1990 thank you justin that's great um if you're a, oh yeah okay great point nomad skateboarding if you're if you use most of the popular themes and builders the default bells and whistles ah, are almost universally not compliant having proper and carries on having proper text contrast fixes many of the issues uh looking at the white text overlay on photos yeah okay um and okay so let's hope let's hope that amber's uh plug-in with the kind sponsorship from yoast and Marika, uh emilia capital i believe it's called um Mm -hmm. let's hope that that brings this to fruition more quickly Uh, michelle anything you wanted to add in there
1: I've already said all said all I can.
0: In which case, yeah, but isn't that a nice topic? That's such a nice story to to Absolutely. be featuring. That's really cool. Here's another nice thing. This is an event. Um, this is the Web Agency Summit. Uh, it's happening next month. So really, we're just telling you get your get your calendars out, uh, put this in the diary. Um, it's a big WordPress event. Forty plus speakers. They say speaker, WordPress experts, disruptors, and thought leaders. It's all happening live between April the 25th and the 28th. The The URL is atarim.io forward slash summit once more. Atarim.io forward slash summit. And uh, yeah, go and check this out. Michelle, I know that you're getting involved from the... Well, actually, if I scroll to the very, very bottom, let me find it. There we go. Look, post status joins... Atarim's Web Agency Summit. This is a nice collision of two different things. What's all this about?
1: Yeah, we're going to be staffing the networking lounge. So I've been reaching out to a lot of community people and getting them to sign up for an hour here or there to just kind of keep the conversation flowing and having some just some great conversations in the networking lounge throughout the event. What's the um
0: what's what what are the conversations that went on? Do you know in terms of post status? Is it just you know? A, mutual backpacking sort of back did I say that right um back patting I think is what I meant to say are you just sort of helping each other out they'll help you you'll help them kind of yeah, thing. yeah nice
1: mm-hmm, nice exactly I've been working with Disha over there to uh to get those things moving forward and yeah, it's pretty exciting. And I think you actually committed to an hour. Did you? Not I did.
0: Yeah, you know? I, I, uh, I have. And, and I said, you know, veto owes me big time. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to it. I
1: can be very persuasive, can, can't I? You can <laughs> be very persuasive.
0: I think basically, Michelle, almost everybody in the WordPress community is in some way, shape, or form in your debt. And so, you know what I mean? You come probably along and ask,
1: me, by ask now. me this
0: question. It would be highly unreasonable for me to refuse but yeah i'll be there i'll be i, I don't have any insight into what it, what it is that i'll be doing just yet but um put it in your diary uh 25th to the 28th mm-hmm. online event 40 speakers and uh yeah atarim.io forward slash summit and look there's rob cairns chiming the in call
1: for speakers is still open too by the say way say that again the call for speakers is still open, so if you're interested in speaking, you can apply to speak at that right. event.
0: Okay. And Rob Ken says, yeah, "Me too." Oh, did you get on? Did you get him as well? Excellent. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Oh, doke. Let's move along. Um, full site editing. Right, there's no way I can unpack this in the time that we've got provided here. But this is an article on WP Marmite. We've, we featured them a couple of weeks ago. They had this interesting article about whether we should strip out the blog from a default WordPress install and have it as some kind of canonical plugin, which I thought was quite an interesting idea. This is a study that they've carried out, and they went around um, asking a bunch of theme shops, because that's obviously their thing, what their position was vis-a-vis a whole bunch of different things in terms of full site editing. I know it's called site editing, they know it's called site editing, but they said, we're just going to keep calling it full site editing because that's what everybody <laughs> keeps calling it. Um, and it's quite interesting. So they asked a bunch of questions, for example, um, like, you know, are, are you endeavoring to build uh, block based themes? Have you got um, bespoke blocks going on and a whole bunch of other things. And then they compared that data with the previous year and the year before that. And, or at least did in some cases and it seems that there's this slow but inexorable rise in the adoption of full site editing across these theme house companies and obviously a lot of people go out there and they purchase commercial themes i know that you can build them yourselves but many people prefer to just you know, spend a few dollars and have something out of the box. And uh, and it would seem that full site editing is becoming more and more a part of their theme offerings out there. Definitely, they're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. But I just thought this was an interesting survey. I don't know if the three of you had a chance to sort of dig into the weeds a little bit. But in almost every single question that was asked, there was this just slow rise, a, a little, little bit of momentum towards full site editing, which I thought was curious because I don't really have any insight into the theming business. And yeah, it definitely looks like people are moving in that direction. So I'll pass it over to you if you've got anything you want to add.
3: Yeah, I'll say that, uh, first of all, I had to Google what Marmite was when you uh, showed this. It's not good. I now realize it is, it is not like, good, Rob. Oh. It's, it's like Vegemite, it's, right? Because I, I, I've i tried Vegemite in Australia. It's the work of like, the devil. It's really is. I will is. leave that to you guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like there's a funny like trend of like, I feel like this is not the only website that's named after like a <laughs> in the WordPress industry. So there's something going on with that. Um. But, uh, you know, I, I think so two things jumped out at me. Number one is kind of what, what I touched on before that um, Gutenberg has gotten better. Right. And I think that when you see people adopting it, like it's because it's not like a horrible experience anymore. Like it was a few years ago, you know, and I think that that is really good and just reflects the improvement of the software. And people are like, OK, like I kind of am starting to see the vision for this. I'm starting to see the, the benefits as opposed to just the um, like uh, the drawbacks of something being super new and, and a little bit, um, you know, less tested than maybe, maybe it could have been. Um, the other thing that strikes me is that the question that actually I would like to ask the theme shop folks is, is site editing, making theme creation irrelevant or less relevant or different in some like more holistic way. Right. Because like site editing in some ways, um, basically like replaces a lot of these out-of-the-box themes or at least a lot of the the features. Right. So um, you know, I think that's definitely true of like the true full page builders like Divi and Elementor. Like you kind of either need to use one or the other, but there's also a whole large group of like in-between uh themes where it's like, hey, like you have my theme You sort of need to also add these plugins, which add site building features to the theme. And, you know, um, there's a lot of those companies out there that basically were really valuable to users in 20, you know, 15 or 2018 or whatever, but I'm not sure that those use cases even really still exist if site editing takes hold, because you would want to build, I think you'd want to build in a way that is more, um, Compatible with with Core uh, for the future.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, when you, we were talking about WordPress six point two and the updates there, and especially around the navigation block, I kind of feel that somebody could quite easily step in and make a make some major changes. That were well, not major, but, you know, just fiddle with that to give it a different a different experience. So a different way of creating that, but still leveraging. <clears throat> that navigation block to do all the bits and pieces it, it's just a bit funky at the minute isn't it it's not what we're used to and so we're not quite there but yeah thank you for that rob uh michelle anything from you or, or um kristen good you're all good yeah go and check it out it's wp marmite and uh, what you'll what you'll definitely notice is that in in all the cases of all the shops and they went out to they analyzed 123 so it's not a tiny survey i imagine 123 represents a fair amount of the WP theme shop space, some of the bigger ones. There, oh, it's Code Canyon. Sorry, yeah, what's it called? Theme Forest, I believe, as well. And checked a few bits and pieces out there. But it seems there's a slow but inexorable rise. Okay, good, good to know.
3: Um, right, you're getting some <laughs> negative feedback, Nathan, about your Marmite uh <laughs> yes. comments. So, yeah, okay, you're so this is Ross,
0: Ross is in the UK. Ross, by the way, has the coolest. Chrome extension ever called WP Turbo. Drop what you're doing and go and Google it right away. Uh, it's really great. Um, he says he can't believe there's no other comment on Nathan's Marmite review, so here goes. You're wrong, Nathan. So wrong. Marmite is the best. Marmite's just not the best. No. <laughs> it's. Have you ever had it? Has any of you ever had something akin to Marmite? Okay, so it's a bit like putting... Imagine imagine like you've you drain your car of oil. And then
3: eat some of that.
0: That's about the best. Disc- I'm
3: so gonna get sued by the Marmite Company. It sounds like a WordCamp Europe Marmite <laughs> yeah. eating contest. Yeah, there's gonna be a gonna Marmite uh, in <laughs> cards. Yeah. yeah, see how many slices we go through.
0: Yeah, clearly Ross is really into it. Sorry for offending your sensibilities. It's one of those few foods. It's just, it's always a bit of a joke in the UK because it's one of those things that you either love. Or you hate there cannot be a middle ground, and so, for example, certain members of my family just crave it and love it, and just <laughs> the smell of it, it drives me from the kitchen. Oh, I'm sorry, I got carried away there. Right, let's let's talk about something WordPress again. Um, this is this is a podcast episode I did on the Tavern recently um, with Talisha Lowellan, all about something called Certified WP. The, Okay, this is a whole interesting debate. and Mm -hmm. I'm I'm really curious about Rob's take on this um, as well, uh, especially given that the Master WP offer a whole bunch of courses. So Talisha is really trying to put together a, well, I won't say canonical, like it's the end of the world. You know, this is the only variant. But her argument goes like this. With WordPress having 43% of the web, but then, but there being no real way of certifying to employees that I can do these things in WordPress, categorically, look, I've got the badge, I've got the certificate, I sat the exam, I did the course, and I passed the test. Wouldn't that be a good idea to have? Um, there isn't at the minute, but Certified WP is an initiative which I, I think she began it. That's my memory, at least, anyway hoping yep. to gather this community of people together figure out what these certifications might look like you know what 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 levels would there be how how high up can it go how developer or how just implementer e could we make those certifications and she makes the case in this podcast I thought really strongly she also has a thing called WP uh, WP Connects, or Connects WP, I'm sorry, I can't remember which way around that goes. WP Thank Connects. Thank you so much, mm-hmm. uh, Michelle, in which she is kind of, this is the inspiration for it, really. She's trying to mm-hmm. educate people who come out of the services in the US, who are kind of looking for something to do with their lives after their service is over, and by all accounts, that is a real moment in time where you know you've been busy doing your service, and suddenly there's this cliff edge, and you really don't know what to do with yourself. And so, WordPress could be a real decent, um, a, a decent way of getting people into it. So she's been offering coaching and things like that. So the debate here is: should we have uh, a certification thing? Should it be the certification thing, or just one certification thing? And I know Rob, you're Interested in this? You've obviously got courses over on Master WP, but Michelle told me at the beginning you're also
3: this project specifically. You're, you're into this, right? Yes, Michelle and I are actually both directors right. of the nonprofit that Talisha created for this purpose. So, uh, we just had mm-hmm. a, a meeting, uh, I guess a few weeks or a month ago. Um, and it touches again on that like governance of the nonprofit yeah. and stuff like that. So, we did you know all the mm-hmm. elections and everything like that. So, yeah, um uh, we're both Michelle and I uh, involved closely with this. So Michelle, what's mm-hmm. what's your position on it then? Do you want it to be just one of
0: many different offerings or, or is the is the idea to make it almost, if you like, the offering?
1: I think there's no design to be like have a corner on the market or or anything like that. And certainly we're not trying to make sure that there's nobody else could ever do this again. But instead, to create the best possible uh, credentialing standards that we can, um, the, the the WP Connects being they use right now, they're using SkillBridge, t- which is something that kind of a military thing, that, you know, when you are separating from the military to try to c- get you back into civilian life and find a job outside of the military. And for people who want to then continue to work for the military, but as civilians, they would need to have a credential to be able to work in WordPress. And there isn't one now. So the idea was first to create this credential specifically for people who want to go back to in the military for the military as civilians. But then if we're going to do that, why not create it for the entire industry and not make it niche because WordPress is WordPress? And so can, the sorry, idea is can, mm-hmm?
0: can I just ask you a quick question there? Is that yeah, because from the military side of things, the money, the money to pay for that education piece? has to be bound to an accreditation process. You, you can't just ask the military, give me X thousand dollars and I will go and spend it on my furthering education. It needs to be, well, no, tell us what the thing is and we'll pay for it and you can then consume it.
1: So that's part of it. But it's, okay. it's more like they could get that that they can become accountants and go work at another company, right? So they don't have to have the accreditation to go out and work in the in the in the industry in the field. But if they want to go back to work for the military specifically, they have to show a credential in order to be able to be hired that way. And so this credential um, fills that purpose. But then also, as long as it's being created, why not make it available to the entire industry, so that if, if companies are hiring, especially companies that aren't WordPress companies, right? That don't have necessarily the ability to vet their, um, their applicants the same way that those of us within WordPress can do. This would be something that says, I've passed an exam. I've, I've hit a certain level of credentialing that shows you I understand how to use WordPress to this level, that level, you know, whether it's, it's a, a user developer, etc., cetera, um, to be able to have that as a standard.
0: So, Rob, being an employer, you you obviously you know it's it matters whether that credential actually is 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 a reasonable document to hold. You know, if if you show up with, look, I've got this credential, and then it turns out that, you yeah. know you go through three people, and none of them can do what they claim to have done, it matters. So, it presumably it's got to be rigorous. The curriculum's got to be well thought out. It's the the teaching's got to be well thought out. The examination. Whatever that may be needs to be proven, and then yep. given all of that, is this the kind of thing that you would take as an employer? You you would look at that document and say, okay, right,
3: you're in the you're in the shortlist kind of thing. Yeah. So um, a couple big picture thoughts. The first is that I really like the um, fact that this is pegged to something that the Department of Defense is going to accept. Right. So I think that. you know, it kind of is an offshoot of Talisha's other projects that this happens to be the way that she's approaching the credentialing. But, um, you know, that is a standard that is kind of like clearly legit in my mind, right? If you're saying like, we have this credential, the, you know, US government is accepting it. It would be weird if then like some random like WordPress agency was like, well, that standard's not good enough for me. So we really want to get it to a place where there is, um, I think, legitimacy to it, right? Um, In addition to um, the direct effect of helping uh, veterans uh, transition back into you know day to day civilian work, right? It also says you know, hey, this is a like a really high end legit thing. Um, so there's that component of it. The other thing that I really like about it, before I actually answer your That's question it. about how I would <laughs> handle it, uh, is that um, so we have this huge problem, which is I guess twofold. So first and foremost is that people who build software in other things that are not php and wordpress don't believe that wordpress developers are real developers and we've done a lot of like articles and podcasting about this so i think that this is something we see for almost everybody who's entry level is they actually get discouraged from working with wordpress because people are like it's old it's busted like it's boring like it's not real coding like you should go do react or whatever other you know obviously react is coming in but you should go do the cool JavaScript stuff instead. Um, and we actually are losing a lot of younger people uh, completely because of that, because they're actually being discouraged from even touching PHP or learning WordPress in any way. That is not a big deal right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, as like our hair gets grayer in the current like agency owner uh, industry, right, uh, we are going to have a problem, which is that we are uh, significantly under resourced in like that, you know. 20 to 30 year old group and significantly over resourced in that like 40 plus group or however you want to like let that have that shake out um but there's a demographic issue in the sense that we want new hungry young developers and designers to be coming into this space that's an issue right now um for a lot of reasons um one of which is that it's not viewed as legit or um like interesting or innovative to work in the WordPress and PHP space, I think this would be a small step in in the right direction for that. Um, And, um, you know, it's something that's very similar to like what we see, for example, with uh, Amazon Web Services. Like you can go to AWS, you can get, you know, one of several different certification levels. Um, Microsoft has similar stuff for their, um, you know, hardware and software. Um, And basically like, people who are out there doing like server tech and systems administration are going out and getting these certifications because they exist and they provide legitimacy in the industry. They're almost like, um, you know, a prerequisite to work on AWS stuff in some ways. Um, so, uh, to, to bring that into the other point that I was going to make is that right now we have this problem where people are getting turned off by WordPress because it's, um, Old-fashioned, or however you want to like phrase that, I think of it as tried and true. But it's definitely not the trendiest and most um, like exciting thing for a you know developer who maybe just got out of like college or just got out of a boot camp to go into. The other thing is that we simultaneously gatekeep people, and we say, "Oh, you can't come be a senior developer because you don't have enough WordPress experience yet." But we create this circular problem where you can't go get enough WordPress experience. So basically, the way to get WordPress experience is to be a freelancer, right? right? But not everybody right. wants to do that. Not everybody has the ability or, or, or the desire to do that. So if you don't come into the like bigger company with the five years of like freelancing experience, you look like a novice, regardless of whether or not you are a novice. So to me, um, the certification would really help, especially with the entry level hiring. Cause it's like, okay, like here's a thing that you can go do to show that you are at least at like this, like acceptable level. Like you didn't just pick up your first WordPress site yesterday. Like you have a real level of knowledge about it and that can be done completely without anyone gatekeeping you. Right. So you don't have to go get that first internship from, you know, uh, the person who may want to give it to one of their buddies instead, right. You don't have to freelance for years. Um, it basically makes the industry more approachable by someone saying, hey, I just got out of a camp. I'm gonna go get this WordPress certification. That's then going to get my foot in the door for 10 jobs instead of maybe one job, right? Uh, That I might've been able to get without anything on my resume. So um, I think it fills a gap, which is that it's really hard for a younger developer to build their WordPress resume unless they sort of get lucky and become a successful freelancer or get that first job in a somewhat, um, random way. So I think it'll actually, <clears throat> in addition to helping, um, you know, on the military veteran side, like it'll also decrease, in- increase diversity in a lot of other ways because it removes a gatekeeper. Right. And it says like, okay, like you can't throw my resume away because I have the certification on here, like actually address this job application. And as we've seen, like, there's just a lot of very flippant stuff out there, like um, you know, if you don't capitalize the P, I'm going to throw away your job application and stuff like that. So uh, I, the more we can get away from that, the better. And I think this gives entry level developers a much more legitimate like piece yeah. or a, a much more legitimate thing on their resume. Um, and it and you learn stuff too, mm. right? Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously I'm a fan of the idea. Um, I know other companies out there are working on other certifications, uh, you know, for different pieces of the puzzle. I think that they all basically would solve the problems that I just described Mm of, um, you know, the difficulty of getting in to the industry and even knowing what the path would be to get in. Like if you went out and you asked a bunch of people who just graduated from a boot camp, what they should do next, they'd be like, "Uh, I don't know, I'm going to apply for a job at like seven Silicon Valley companies and just say I know React, right? That's like the only, that's like the, the job path that's coming out of those boot camps right now. I would like to see them also be able to say or I could go get my WordPress certification or both right and now it opens up more opportunities yeah. for everybody.
0: It's really interesting because it sort of it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy once it's launched. If people take it seriously, then people take it more seriously, then people take it yeah. more seriously. The um, the piece that, the AWS piece. I don't know if the I don't know if Amazon fund any of that. And I don't know, for example, if Cisco fund their networking requirements. But I do wonder if the the argument could be made that, um, let's say, Automatic um, may have some skin in the game here in terms of helping these. But I guess other people would say, well, why would they favor one certification over another? Another thing that occurs to me, though, as well, is that once you start on this, I'm going to call it a treadmill, you've really got to keep that treadmill going because if we if we look back to wordpress i don't know 5.6 and think what would the certification for that have looked like well it's nothing like the certification for wordpress 6.2 i mean literally there's so much that has changed mm-hmm. so we'd we'd have to have this this continuous process of the certification itself is getting updated and the one from 3 years ago probably doesn't carry the same clout as the one from last week and so on. So it's a big undertaking.
3: Yeah, but I mean, if you think about like other professionals, like a accountant, for example, like accountants have to do X number yeah. of hours of continuing education to keep up with new rules every year. So um, that's something that I think we are already de facto doing for agency employees. Like we're always training people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it would actually in some ways be easier for me as an agency owner if the training was guided more uh explicitly by a certification that i didn't have to personally yeah. do all the like you know oh, what i mean because yeah, right now like yeah, yeah yeah we're literally like sitting around saying how are we going to train yeah, yeah like right. we had that conversation last week you know right. um and that's now an internal cost to me to both develop the training as well as have the team do the training um we do uh, offset some of that cost through the Master VP workshops because basically what we do is we train our staff and then we sell other people the training that we did for our staff anyway. Like that's what a lot of our workshops are. Uh, but this would, I think defray costs even further. And, um, you know, I think standardize things in a good way. Um, so that you could say, okay, well, I know that now that I can jump between different jobs if I need to, I know that I like different WordPress companies, for example, I know that there is a meaningful standard. Um, I also would slightly push back on the idea that 5.6. Is t- totally oh yeah no 6.2, like, <laughs> yeah, mean, six point two like yeah maybe the CHP and javascript still exist <laughs> yeah. you know so uh, you know you have to learn the new uh, layers that are being layered on top but you know ultimately um, you know you could you could, if you had time warped to today from four years ago like you could still code for yeah I guess so, I guess my um, argument was but more there is about a continuing people yeah.
0: coming through the door at the at the beginning of that funnel. So if yeah. somebody came in and wanted to start their base layer certification today, it would look very different from somebody beginning their certification yeah. a little bit of time ago. A, a really yeah. interesting initiative. I'll just point to the podcast again. If you, if you want to hear uh, Talisha talk about this, um, yeah, it's on the WP Tavern website. It's episode number 67. Um, Kristen, did you want to add anything into that?
2: not really it's a really interesting idea i definitely in past experiences we offered a training arm um people were always asking for some type of certification i think it's just first establishing those best practices of the curriculum in the first place and then where do you go from there so yeah. the maintenance of it like you said
0: yep uh courtney who is very much involved in wordpress training uh, she says the training team also share these sentiments It's great to see others filling needs, such as the military vets and the interfacing with the US government, that that'd be out of scope for training that, uh, yeah, that she's involved in. Um, This would also lend credibility to the boot camps, like where I instructed on the appropriate curriculum needed during boot camp learning time. Um, And then nomad skateboarding. My former life was in sports medicine certification and continuing education was done yearly It didn't mean a person was competent, but it did mean they weren't ignorant of all the subjects. Uh, Thank you. That's really interesting. There's a whole load of other Marmite-based comments, but
1: uh, (laughs) it
0: it all boils down. Oh, yes. No, I should air this one because I misrepresented uh, Ross's Chrome extension. I actually got the name wrong, so apologies. Where's it gone? Where's it gone? Where's it gone? where's it gone there we go i think a marmite podcast (laughs) that's it that could be i think that's going to be the it's a controversial we'd literally have to have the screen divided down the middle uh you know um it's turbo admin go and google turbo admin Add, add wordpress into that query and you will find it and you will be delighted that you did it's truly great um Oh, okay, quickly another one by Rob. Two cents. We have to have a practical component to certifications because we do not need people who have certs only on paper. Yeah. I guess it's I guess on the entry level it's about getting yourself through that door. Let's move on. Oh how I love Mastodon. Oh, I'm gonna write a poem about it. Ode to Mastodon. Um, I really like it, and Automatic really like it, or at least they like the underlying protocol which supports Mastodon. We've talked about this before. Mastodon is really a skin sitting in to- on top of Activity pub. ActivityPub powers all sorts of different implementations. There are sites which are a bit, a bit more, rather than writing comments, like tweets, you you post photos. That one's called Pixel Fed and the logo's just there. Um, but Automatic, we very quickly touched on this last week, Automatic acquired the activity pub plugin. Now, what that means is that they've taken on uh, Matthias Feffery. I hope I haven't butchered your name, Matthias. And he is now going to be able to dedicate all of his time um to making ActivityPob work with WordPress and making your WordPress website a first-class citizen inside of Mastodon. So imagine imagine if people could somehow go to Twitter and without you having shared anything, your posts would be there. And imagine if somebody wrote a reply and it came onto your website. And if you replied to that reply, it would go into Twitter. So this is starting to hot up for me. This is this is the promise of Mastodon. The fact that it's open and it's not gatekeeped by some uh, billionaire, let's say that, um, by some billionaire. I just think this is really interesting. And the idea that Automatic... With their clout around WordPress and obviously developer chops, I think this is going to be really interesting. I, for one, I'm I'm going to definitely go and play with this. I do like the idea that my website could become like a a full-on account on Mastodon. I just find that really interesting. So it's just open to you. You know what I think.
3: (laughs) What do you think? Maybe I'm overhanging it. Nathan you actually run a Mastodon instance, I do. Right?
0: I do. Yeah. And nice. and it, I I did it. I, I <laughs> you know that time when every I, you were into Nirvana and then like suddenly everybody else found Nirvana like 2 years after you thought Nirvana was cool. It was a bit like that. I uh I I just got the idea that this whole Mastodon thing uh, there was no yeah, hint ahead that of the it was going to be popular, right? I just did it. And honestly, all you could find on Mastodon when I was using it back then was cat pictures that i swear that's what that it, sounds do great. you remember were you using it as well <laughs> but <laughs> no. honestly no i was i was 80 percent of X's. the feed yeah. was cat pictures and i have no idea but it just seems to have been adopted <laughs> by people who love sharing cat pictures and it was it, it got a bit like what the heck and then that's what my then Instagram it, looks just like too, that's what I it just exploded it just passed 10 million users <laughs> yesterday yeah the growth is steady away. It, the, the line goes like this. So it's not like a million a day, but it is on the order of, I think, 100,000 accounts a day. It is growing nice. and it's open. And so clever little things like this can start to happen. And then who knows what clever little things somebody else will will do in the future. Throw in things like web mentions yep. as well, and it all starts to get very interesting. Yeah, sorry. Well, I- and Especially
3: if you think about how the... The Twitter API, I think, just went to like a paid service only like Twitter is very much closing itself uh, for, uh, you know, financial purposes. Like basically they're treating it like it was a private equity acquisition and they're going to now squeeze as much revenue out of it as they can, whether that's successful or not. We'll see. Um, But um, I mean, to me, like the mission of Automatic and the mission of Mastodon seem extremely well aligned and it would be interesting um, you know, to see more collaboration there going forward. Yeah, what what I think what I don't think it is
0: yet, Mastodon I don't think is a particularly great tool for reach. So there are a few accounts mm-hmm. that I've come across where where because they're they've been famous elsewhere and you know, and they've obviously announced on their Twitter account, I'm going over to Mastodon, here it is. They managed to get this groundswell of support. And, you know, you get a few that are into the hundreds of thousands, but it it's not yeah. it isn't that. And you can't algorithmically Uh, hope that your content will go to the top. So, you know, just because your post is shared lots of times, it doesn't mean that the algorithm suddenly thinks, actually, let's put more of that in because that's obviously growing. It's viral. You won't get any of that. And so it will never be good for that kind of thing. But what it is, is it's a little bit more straightforward. If you don't follow somebody, you're never going to see what they put. If 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 you want the algorithm to sort of bend your... Your preferences—it's not going to do that because it's simply chronological. And I yep. think you're right, uh, Rob. I think the, the 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 juxtaposition here between automatics mission and activity pub, in this case, Mastodon's mission, is really well aligned. But it, I don't think it will become that broadcasting hob. I don't think it'll ever have that virality. So sorry, Michelle. I know I keep droning on about this. but
1: <laughs> I, I just. For me, I think Mastodon's great for conversation, etc. I don't see it as, at least at this point yet, as a huge marketing um, channel. So I, I don't think, think you're your right. brands. Yeah. So you know, it's not going to replace Twitter um, as far as brand marketing and things like that goes. So.
0: Yeah, you'd have to do a tremendous body of work to get to the point where your account had that. So my understanding of the twitter algorithm is like i just said if something if you if you post something and then within seconds 100 people have suddenly shared it there's some bit of the algorithm there going whoa, stop what you're doing post that all over the place
1: and you engagement will never gets get rewarded
0: that. yeah you will never get that on the current implement because it's open source who
3: knows what algorithm some somebody'll come up with to make it
1: exactly mm-hmm. like
3: that Um, Well, I think that the point of Mastodon is actually to eliminate the algorithmic virality, right? right? Right. So that, in the sense that it's good for microblogging, like, you know, Mastodon is just as good for me if I wanted to do very short, uh, like, tweet-like blog posts, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. But from a company standpoint, what's the point of Twitter? Like, Twitter is an advertising platform if you're a company, right? Like, the goal of me putting a Master EP post on Twitter is that it gets so much engagement that then it gets engagement from people who have never heard of me before. And then now they've heard of me. And it's a function, right. it's, it functions as advertising, right? Um, I don't even think it's really that good at that in most cases. Like it's pretty rare that you get that kind of like win on Twitter. Uh, that being said, like that is explicitly not the point of Mastodon. It's the opposite uh, of the point of Mastodon. You know, I think Mastodon is supposed to be calmer, there's supposed to be less like advertising and virality involved in it. So even though the interfaces are very similar, um, the goal is not really the same at all. That's another nice thing about the fact that
0: it's open source is that the interface that they provide is just now one of many that you can use. There's a whole bunch of services where you can really modify the way it looks. So you can go for that tweet deck approach where here's all the columns or one that I prefer is called elk. It's called elk.zone. And it's under constant development. It, it's it's browser based, so you don't install it anywhere. But you can have it as an app. You know, you can click the thing in Chrome and make it into an app. And it's really nice. And it really does look a lot like Twitter. But um, yeah, it's it's nice. So, um, Kristen, you're new to. So this whole mastodon thing that we're talking about. Do you
2: use this? Is this even not, a thing? No. Not yet. I mean, I'll echo uh, Michelle's point about it. You know, not really not sure yet, like what the marketing um applications are yet. And I know like some things just aren't supposed to be that, right? So yeah. um, but I think the news of this is very interesting and definitely gonna be following along. So
0: yeah, it just it's such an obvious mm-hmm. thing, right? Make your website a first citizen of the the social side Mm -hmm. of things. So you can reply and follow my website. Uh, Just don't get me started. Um, Courtney makes the point that um, Mastodon is where she goes to chat with devs and open source aficionados. Yeah, that's a really good point. There is a very strong WordPress community. And what you can do on Mastodon is, I guess you can do Twitter. You just follow the hashtag WordPress and uh, lots of nice things coming through that on a daily basis anyway there you go well done automatic bravo i think that's cool there we go now (laughs) here we go ai (laughs) every week the conversation about ai i am so sorry rob i know you wanted to get into this but time is time is running you'll have to come back and talk to us um but GPT, there will really
3: many more AI. Yeah,
0: that's, that's right, coming yeah. down. I'm slightly suspicious going. that Rob's real. He huh? just seems to be. Uh, <laughs> uh, chat G- sorry, not Chat GPT. GPT four has come out and taken the world by storm. I had quite a few bits and pieces that I wanted to say, but I'm just going to mention this one. Chat GPT has made coding easier, and there is this Twitter, which I will link in the show notes for today, where this chap on the screen, now you really can't see it, but he writes down in a book, like it's a piece of paper, basically, he writes down what he wants his website to be, and he photographs it, uploads his photograph to Discord, and don't get me wrong, it's not like a complicated thing, it's dead straightforward, it's a few buttons and a bit of text, but it parses his drawing creates buttons with links with the text that he said wanted that he wanted to be on the buttons and I'm just like oh my lord if this is what chat or gpt 4 can do what can 5 and 6 do and i rob i've seen the slew of content that you're putting out over on master wp uh, ai related stuff i'm troubled
3: but i think you're more sanguine so uh, I guess the first question I would ask is, are you troubled because you think that it's going to take over the world and like destroy humanity no, or is there other I'm trouble? Troubled. That's, uh...
0: <laughs> I'm troubled because I don't think we've got the incentives right. And what I mean by that is I don't think it's a good outcome if if an AI is able to eliminate a whole host of jobs unless we've prepared yeah. society for that disruption. You know, it's all very well saying, well, other jobs will come along. Yeah, but imagine the pain and anguish of tens of thousands of people whose job yep. in accountancy, say, which can now, by all accounts, be done by GPT-4. Yeah. So it's the incentive piece. I don't worry about the use of it. I'm sure that it's not going to take over the world. I'm going to go and live on Mars anyway. So Pretty sure, yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> So, I think, um, you know, I, I mean, I agree with you in... Uh, a, a somewhat narrow sense that like, you don't want an individual person to experience getting their job eliminated because of a computer doing it. Um, I think what I would add to that is that if you look at even like the lab, even like our lifetimes, right. There was a time when spreadsheet software didn't exist. So there was a lot more need for manual like accounting. There were elaborate card systems that were used for these things that are now used, that, that are just in software, right? Microsoft Excel essentially eliminated, not only certain jobs and tasks, but also like the need for tons of paper storage and card storage and elaborate systems like that. Even if you think about when you were a kid at your school library and you had to learn the Dewey decimal system and go through like the card drawers and oh. stuff like that, like the kids don't have to do that now because they use databases on computers to do that instead, right? So it might still be like interesting to learn like that the 900s are biographies or whatever that, you know, a uh, system says, <laughs> but like that. that is no longer really relevant. And if you look at it that way, like, yes, like there, I mean, there used to be jobs where people would hand copy books, right? Um, and the printing press eliminated the need for most of those jobs. So I think um, one other example I would give <clears throat> that I actually, you know, have, have thought a lot about over the last 10 years is that, um, you know, in t- 2005, when I started doing like full-time professional web development after college, um, building an e-commerce site was really hard. It would probably cost, you know, ten or $15,000 just to get a basic store up that would process credit cards securely and, you know, send you some products. Now that can be done with Stripe and Shopify by pretty much anyone yeah. in a matter of minutes. You know, so that did eliminate a source of income for me as a web developer. Like there's a lot of times now where I would have charged you, you know, $10,000 to do something that you could just do yourself on Shopify today. Um, I don't feel like that has um, <clears throat> been like a huge, like that hasn't been a, a traumatic negative change for me. Like obviously there could be bigger uh, changes and bigger issues around that, but like um, software getting better. To me, seems like a net positive, um, provided a, a, you know it doesn't like turn into Skynet and, and take over the world in some yeah, way. Yeah. We'll come back in three years. We'll be talking
0: about Skynet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah I, I, honestly, I just find this whole thing really interesting, and it's the inc- it, it's the logarithmic curve of how how quickly it's getting yeah. better that is is a bit w- w- scary for me, and I do worry about our own industry. And whether or not this will be able to code to a proficient standard, such that you know there'll be lots of people looking around. You know, if you could if you could get your web app built for a hundred dollars through Microsoft's OpenAI, and or spend twenty thousand dollars getting it done by a person, that's the incentive that that bothers me yeah. uh, a little bit. Okay. Michelle, it's deflationary. Yeah, though, yeah, right? that's that's a good oh, thing. right? No, I don't know. I'm so <laughs> conflicted about this whole thing. Kristen, Michelle, <laughs> anything?
1: I'm, I'm. I've said a lot over the last few weeks about yeah. <laughs> about it. So I'm let's good. leave
0: it to Kristen yeah. if she's got
1: anything.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I'm one of the few few writers that have been like super excited by this technology. I think it's really amazing, and it's been fun to like learn how to ask it questions and figure out like what it's going to say back and. I've used it a ton. I use it every day, so I think it's just not really something that I've felt threatened by necessarily. I think it's something that's a tool that I'm able to like leverage to get better at what I do. So. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good. That's awesome. I need the
0: voice of reason. The pair of you have done a great job in uh, in calming me down a little bit. You've <laughs> Cathartic feel to this whole episode towards the end. Right. Okay. We're we're going to move on because I, I definitely want to touch on a couple of things. Firstly um jamie i have mentioned your twitter thread so don't unsubscribe to all the things i'm not going to say much more about it but i am going to say that this is what chat gpt gave me when i asked it about catgate uh just be somewhat alarmed let's put those away quickly and <laughs> say nothing else uh, but jamie marsland you have been mentioned uh the next thing i want to mention is this little beauty uh day one i have it on my phone um, it is uh, an app which you use to journal. It's it, it's such a great idea. I love these kind of apps. Mm-hmm. But we did mention the other week that um, it's now gone all web based. Previously, you either had to you know download the app on your uh, phone or you had to download the app onto your computer. But now it is on the web. Uh, being an automatic owned company, I, I think that was probably twenty four months ago or something like that. It was mm-hmm. acquired. But look at this, look at this little interface. Does that remind you of anything? <laughs> that there be Gutenberg I'm guessing. Um, Kristen can tell us more. Is that right? Is this a yeah. good an implementation of Gutenberg?
2: Yeah, I it's been really amazing to watch this coming from a WordPress, you know, background, seeing how Gutenberg is being used as an independent framework within the web app for day one. And so it's just been a really interesting and exciting implementation of it because, you know, we really believe that the more Gutenberg is used even outside of WordPress, like the better it gets. And so it's been cool to see even, you know, Tumblr using it for its editor and even a Drupal integration with Gutenberg, which I think is kind of interesting too, but yeah. (laughs)
0: Um, it's really it's like they've stripped out all the craft that you don't need, um, yeah. and it's you know just like here's some headings, here's some italicization and bolding and all of that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. but it's a really, really nice app if you mm-hmm. if you are searching around for this kind of stuff, or indeed if you're looking for an excuse to do journaling, Kristen's actually got a, a post here. Uh, just highlight the the main points of this post you've got this gratitude journal, a hundred yeah. ideas, tips and techniques.
2: Yeah, so gratitude journaling is just a really great way to get started journaling if you're kind of new to the practice or maybe feeling like really overwhelmed by I don't want to write about my emotions or thoughts or feelings, but gratitude journaling is just like a really easy way every day to just think about what you're grateful for and jot down a few things and so this post is really, you know, designed to help you kind of get started, get your feet wet with gratitude journaling and maybe even inspired to to start it. So
0: um, it is a really, really genuinely nice app. I feel that mm-hmm. if you're on the iOS Mac ecosystem, mm-hmm. particularly the implementation over there is really good. I'm I'm still waiting for the, the sort of Android uh, equivalent to catch up. You're working on it. We yeah, as on say, was, I was going to say, I <laughs> got it from the horse's mouth. I going to hold you to that. Uh, it's a really, really nice app. So, But now, importantly to me, I don't need an app anywhere. Mm -hmm. It's just available on the web and in that lovely familiar interface. Actually, it kind of looks Gutenberg-y, but it's kind of been tweaked just that little bit so that you maybe wouldn't necessarily know. It's not like Gutenberg's following around the internet.
2: Yeah, and we just pushed out some exciting updates even last week. Um, Calendar view, where you're able to view entries. Oh, nice. And then... Missed that. Yeah, like people were asking for that. And then tagging, there's some really cool tagging functionality for your journal entries and... So we're we're working on it. It's actually it's in beta right now, but it's still um, you know ready. You can use it, test it out. And also,
0: you know, if you can persuade people to get on the web version, you Mm -hmm. just do one thing,
2: just the
1: one thing
0: have to update the Mac app and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Everybody's using the web. Use the web. Um, okay, and very finally, Tacos, I'm afraid we're going to have to miss them out, Michelle. We're not going to talk about Samsung's moon or how Tacos. Okay. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but we will end with this one. This is something that Rob dropped in. He wanted to mention. Uh, it's a plug-in which their team have been developing. We were talking earlier about getting things right in terms of accessibility. Alt tags on your images. Bit of a chore, aren't they, from time to time? But We've got AI mixed with WordPress here. It's the perfect way to end. What does this
3: do, Rob? So what we did was we built basically a new and we think better image recognition uh, AI specifically for this purpose of um, populating your alt text, right? So you can see some of the example images here. Um, If you upload your image to every alt, uh, either via the website here or the plugin, Um, You might get an example like two people sit on a bench or the stars twinkle in the night sky above a field of trees, right? So the idea is that um, the vast majority of the time, it's going to give you accurate uh, alt text that you can just basically take to the bank and use right away. Uh, The way we see people using it is um, twofold. Number one, they don't have to stare at a blank space, right? That's one of the biggest challenges is like, it doesn't seem like, hey, add a little alt text to your image is a big deal. But when you're composing something, And, um, you know, you're staring at that blank field and that blank field is also often like kind of even hidden in the interface in some situations, Um, even if you need to tweak a couple words, it's a really, really nice prompt and start to remember that all text Um, and then. The other thing that the plugin can do is if you have a site, like we're literally doing an ADA remediation this week for a client, and we're going to go through and add alt text to every single image that doesn't have it with this tool in like two seconds, right? So it goes back through and then you'll see a history, like a board of all the things that it did, and you can just tweak them, you know, know, a word or two at a time. It auto-saves the changes that you make. Mm -hmm. So basically it's your assistant in the sense that You don't have to type all that stuff. It's going to get it, you know, 80 or 90% of the way there for you. Maybe it's going to do 300 images in three seconds. And then you can go through and edit that, but you're not the, you're not racking your brain to do all that, all text work. So, um, it's free. You can create an account, um, get a bunch of image credits for free. If you want to do a, uh, you know, bigger batch, you can buy additional image credits. And, uh, we have version 0.1 of the plugin here. We actually have two like coming out today, later today. So um, we added a couple new features. We moved some stuff around um, and we're going to get it uh, submitted to the directory probably later this week. Um, It also has its own API, so you don't have to use the plugin. You can hook up to the API and put it in and build it into your own um, app wherever you want. Uh, We have a Zapier integration and all sorts of other cool stuff. So check it out. Um, We basically took like a bunch of image recognition tools and a bunch of language tools and baked them together with kind of our own recipe to get this specific use case of like, I really want to know what this photo is and I want to describe it succinctly in one sentence in a way that somebody using a screen reader could, um, Truly, like get value from it. If you're doing the ADA
0: backport, if you know what I mean, where you've got the 10,000 image website and you need to do that work quickly, yep. how presumably? Well, I say presumably. How do you interact with those 10,000? Is there like
3: a list view of all of those, or do I have to individually exactly, go into the media yeah. library and click <clears throat> on each one at a time? Or so you can individually click on them. And then the other thing you can do is run a bulk optimization, a bulk uh, generation, right? Right. So if you've ever used one of the image optimization tools, it's kind of like that where you go back through um, and uh, pricing is $10 per thousand images max. I see that in the, in the chat. So the first hundred are free if you sign up today and then uh, you know, basically uh, you know, it's like one cent per image going forward. So if you wanted to use it for clients, like it makes a lot of sense. Like, Doing a client site with a thousand images for ten bucks instantly is a pretty easy, um, yeah. you know, yeah. thing for an agency to, to afford, and it's not a subscription. You just buy what you need, um, and you know you get an API key. You could plug that into unlimited WordPress sites. You've only gone and um, so, proven that AI is quite useful, haven't you? <clears throat> I don't. Uh... Well, see that's the thing. I want to move it away from toys. <laughs> like, that, that's what I like about the accessibility approach. Is I'm like, okay, well, AI. Is weird and creepy, right? <laughs> yeah. If you're using it realize. to generate photos of like cats and gates <laughs> and whatever the heck you guys were doing earlier, right? Um, but like that is, you know, if you think about like, okay, well, what is a problem that I can solve with the fact that this these tools can see objects and images and then they can create like really interesting like language, um, you know, uh, output from it? So what we've done is we've said, okay let's use this image recognition technology that's mostly used for boring stuff like CAPTCHAs and stuff like that. And let's um, actually apply it to something we want to change to make the future better, right? So this is not necessarily creating absolutely perfect content, but it's making this accessibility work a lot faster and easier. So it's a way to leverage these tools for something that's that's actually yeah. Good.
0: You've got a few nice comments. Obviously, people dropping off this and just going to check
3: out the plugin. Uh, yeah, and I'll, I'll address Max's last question real quick. And in, in that, um, yes, the data that we generate is stored in your WordPress database if you use the plugin. So what's going to happen is you do it once, um, it's going to there there it's going to store it in the alt text you yep. know field for that media library. Where item. You'd expect it, um, yep. and you can also set it up so that anytime I upload a new image it's going to, you know, as it's uploading that image, it's going to ping the every alt API. It's going to populate the alt text. So even if you just drag and drop an image into the block editor, it's going to automatically have your starter alt text built in there.
0: So as you might expect, it's called every alt. Um, they managed to get every which is rather handy. Uh, EveryAlt.com, Nice and easy to remember. No weird spaces, just every alt. Yep. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. And I, I yeah I'm somewhat annoyed that AI is actually useful. <laughs> I want it to be are. relentlessly bad, <laughs> then I, <laughs> then I could justify my my sort of reluctance to adopt it all. Okay, I'm so sorry we've overrun. We've gone for one hour forty instead of one hour thirty. I'm really sorry about that. I do apologize, but I would like to sincerely thank anybody who made a comment. They were really valuable. They keep the show going. That's great. Also, like to thank uh, Kristen for joining us. I really hope you come back, Michelle. I'm. i'm I'm, I'm trusting that you'll come back uh and rob yeah maybe we'll have rob on again as well and by that point i shall be a robot um and we'll see how it goes just before we end the slightly humiliating thing that we always do at the end of every show this is how the album art is made and we all put our hands up and i yes look everybody's so willing straight away that's so good thank you for
2: joining us we'll be back next week take care thanks a lot take it easy